Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. My name is Aaron Freienberger, and we'd like to thank you for coming back. We're always looking for new and interesting stories to bring you, and today's is from Phil Willingham, lead pastor of the Heartland Christian Center. As a quick warning, there is insensitive language used in this episode as a part of Phil's experience. Thank you for listening. I, I get to my 17th birthday, Tent Revival preacher comes in town. I play the organ for him. I lead worship for him. He leaves town. He says, hey, come with me. So I sell everything I got, which truck, all my tools, go to work for him, $35 a week. I sl- I'm sleeping under a tent for the next year or so. Now, Rhonda and I knew each other because her dad used to come preach my dad revivals. My dad was a pastor. She was the evangelist, so we seen it. We, we saw, first time we saw each other, she's eight and I'm 10 years old. And uh, she, she'll tell you today that I told my mom, I'm gonna marry that guy one day. Uh, but we got to be good friends. Okay, fast forward in this tent, preaching, traveling, doing all that kind of stuff. I'm 19, Rhonda's 17, we get married. So we're in this God, do anything, powerful belief system, uh, traveling the country, living in a 25-foot travel trailer. A couple years into the marriage, we, we get pregnant with our first child. I was excited. I mean, we're so excited. Everything's going around great uh, up to her, uh, right close to her delivery. Doctor never gives us any inclination there's something wrong with your child. And so May, uh, uh, the, when we, May 25th, uh, 1977, Sunshine was born, go in there, okay delivery, nothing. 15 minutes after delivery, the doctor walks in and puts me, takes me to the room. He said, your daughter's retarded. That's the, that's the word that they used 40 years ago. Your daughter's retarded. She's a mongoloid child. Uh, we're gonna have to put her in an institution. Oh, good night. We'll see you tomorrow. And that was it. Don't tell your wife. That's one. Of, don't tell your wife tonight. Let her rest. So I go home, staying with my mother-in-law. At, at that time, we was with coming off the road to have the baby. And I hit the floor, and I literally just weep, cry. I mean, I'm just devastated. How in the world we're preaching, we're traveling, we're lifting Jesus up. How in the world could this happen? What went wrong? And you, you start having all the, well, you should have did this, and you, you know, the guilt type stuff. And um, I basically stay awake all night, just finally cry myself to go sleep a little bit, wake up the next day, get to the hospital, get in a room with Rhonda, and they're refusing to bring uh, sunshine into the room. Finally, we, 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 we compel the nurse to bring her in. She's not wanting the nurse and that type of thing. And uh, I remember Rhonda and I looking at her 
and uh, trying to figure out. I was, I still hadn't told her anything, and yet Rhonda was saying, is everything okay? Is everything all right? You know, it was that motherly in, intuition. She knew. Oh, yeah, everything's fine, you know, type thing. And then for the next three or four days, they start running tests and psycho, they, they run psychological tests on Rhonda and I because we was refusing because ultimately they come to the point, they said, hey, your daughter's among the Lord. She's retarded. We're going to go put her in an institution. Uh, we're going to uh, let you give you a death certificate. You take it home to your family. You tell them your daughter has died and you go live your life. You go, you're too young to be weighted down with this. And Ron and I, again, we were struggling with our faith, I, I admit, but we, we, we read the scripture together and we both looked at each other that day and said, well, you know, we don't know, I mean, we're young. We don't know what to do, how, it, but you know what? We got God. We don't understand this. And it goes back to, you know, something I've heard years. We, we, even when you can't trust God's hand, you can, you, you can always trust his heart. When you can't trace the hand of God in everything that's happening, you got to trust God's heart. And we did. And we've got to get our daughter released. And uh, we did. Left home with her and started navigating through through that story in our life. And today we look back and we think, wow, how God has used that so many times uh, in our lives. What I've discovered, and Rhonda and I both have just kind of made a commitment as we kind of navigate, what can we learn from this experience? What is, what's, what's teachable for us? I mean, it's always blame. It's easy to blame. And again, they wanted to run tests to determine, was it in my DNA? Was it in hers? And again, we made a commitment. You know, we don't need to know that. We, we, we don't want to give enemy anything to say, oh, it's your fault. If You know, we just, because as we started researching and we did as young kids, started having the conversation, divorce was uh, even more prevalent for couples who had kids that were any type of handicap or any type of uh, uh, severe sickness in their life. So we just chose not to, not to know that. And okay, we're gonna move forward and uh, navigate ourselves through this. Part of that story, as, as we went to, took a job at another church and was just kind of sitting tight a little bit for about six months, and then about three or four months after Sunshine was born, we get a phone call. They go back to me leaving home working with this tent preacher. Well, the tent preacher ended up being my father-in-law, David, and he was more like a dad to me than he was anything. And uh, I was very close to him, learned a lot about ministry, learned what to do, learned what not to do in some things. But we get a phone call, and uh, David says, God has cursed you. Remember how you left me? And we did. We, there come a point in our, in our marriage, in our ministry, there was some immorality thing going on with Dave. Uh, infidelity, Rhonda's mom and dad got divorced. So we, there come a point where we said, we got to pull away. We, we got we to gotta go do something else. And when we left, he didn't like it. He prophesied, you'll never make it. We were, we were living uh, in, in two or three states away, away from Alabama. We navigated our way all, left home, left that area, had a 69 Cadillac, 
that had the drive shaft torn uh, that was going out of it. Didn't have the money to repair it. 25-foot trail, travel trailer hooked to it, and I drove over 600 miles at 35, 40 miles an hour. Took us yeah, a long time to get home. When, when he calls it and says, God's cursed you, God's mad at you, again, that was just another devastation that it took us another... Uh, it took us three and a half, four years to navigate through that. We got real uh, bitter against Dave. I, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't. He would try to reach out and call every now and then, and we just would refuse his phone calls. And this was back before the days of cell phone. This is when he actually had to call landline phones. And after we started pastoring a church in Kentucky, he found out where we was. He'd call, hey, I'm coming by. No, we don't want to see you. But he kept reaching out, and finally one day, right, we're, we're in a small country church in Kentucky, and he calls, and Rhonda looks at me, and she says, he's wanting to stop by. And she said, I, I think we need to do this. And everything in me was saying, if he shows up, I'm going to probably either hit him or kill him. <laughs> uh, but I said, okay, okay. He shows up, we're sitting on the couch, and Rhonda's holding Sunshine real, real tight. I mean, she's Sunshine's now three and a half, four years old, and she's wanting to get down, and finally Sunshine looks at Rhonda, and she said, that my grandpa? And Rhonda said, well, yeah, I love my grandpa. And so Rhonda let her down, and Sunshine goes over, totally unconditional love, and just wraps her arms around David and loves her and starts kissing him on the cheek. And Rhonda and I just start crying because we know, we know in our hearts, here, are, here we are Christians and we're trying to pastor. We know in our hearts, if we're gonna ever move forward with our life, we've gotta have that same unconditional love. Did you realize what was going on, the reconciliation between you two is gonna happen or? Yeah, I, I, I realize again, knowing David as, as well as I thought I knew David, I, I, I knew there wasn't going to be no magical moment on his side. But I think, again, it was just like almost like simultaneously that Rhonda and I looked at each other and locked eyes as if this was God telling us, this is your opportunity. It doesn't have anything to do with him. It's your opportunity to get free. Because there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that was building up. And you could tell, even like I said, when there was times when he would call, he'd want to come by. Well, and, and Rhonda would say yes, and I would say no. Well, it caused arguments with us. It, it, it caused, a, you know, wedges. Because this was her dad. And like all daughters, Rhonda always wanted the love of her father. She wanted the acceptance of her dad. It's a, it's a built-in thing for us that we want that. And she never got that. When we was working for him, there was times he wouldn't pay us. I mean, we was making $100 a week and barely making it. And there was times he would say, I'm not paying you this week. And he'd get, he'd get us up before the, 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 the revival crowd. I'm going to see if Rhonda and Phil really loves God or not. This week, I'm not going to give them any money. And I'm thinking, this is your daughter and your son-in-law that you're causing us to do without food because you're trying to be super spiritual and yet you're taking up your offerings. All It wasn't like you was doing without anything. So 
And it took a little bit. You've got to lay down your pride to do, you know, when, when you've had somebody to cut you off. It was just with that God moment to said, hey, you can be free or you can choose to stay in this box that would eventually, I think, become a stronghold for us. And that right there is what has kind of helped us over the years to not be afraid to put ourselves out there to keep from being hurt. Because if you love people and if you're going to have a relationship with it, husband, wife, parent, child, friend, there's times you got to put yourself after with the understanding, hey, I may get hurt. They may let me down. They may disappoint me. People always will hurt you at some point. And if you decide to hold on to that stuff, it puts you in the box. David's lifestyle hadn't totally changed, but what changed was our response to him. So we opened our lives back up and allowed him. And again, he flowed in and out. It was never, he had his own issues. It was, it was never something he wanted to be real close, but we allowed him to come by. Matter of fact, the last time he came by, just a few months before he passed, he called. He said, "I want. we'd like to come by. I want to be in service with you. That was the first time David was ever sitting in church with us. All the other times, he would never stay for church. Come by and be in church. We put him in a hotel. We took him out to eat, treated him. We showed up that Sunday, was in service, and he sat and cried all the during time while we were up there preaching. And that was the last time we was ever together. But Ron and I look back and we say, Thank God that we didn't hold on to that stuff. That, w- that would have eventually destroyed us. And it would eventually have put us in the box. He was crying watching you guys preach. Why do you think he was moved so much? I think, again, David had made a huge deposit in my life as a young kid. Again, go back and remember, I left home. I'm 16, not even turned 17 yet. And... and uh, David saw value and worth. He saw gifts in me. And, and I talk a lot about how people's words can take us up or take us down. And David spoke life into me as a, as a, as a young minister. The call of God was there. I remember as a kid knowing and sensing God wanted me to do something with my life. And it's just one of those things where I hadn't yet found a way to, to, to say yes to that. So David was very instrumental And I think for David sitting here that Sunday, seeing us, hearing us preach, he saw some of the deposits that he had made in a young guy that was loving his daughter, which is his wife, loving his own kids now, seeing a church, a magnitude. This was nothing like David ever preached at. David, most of our tent revivals was huge, five, six hundred, a thousand people. But that was, you know, times where you went to churches and we had 50 people. So David never seen anything consistent. So I think he's seen a little bit of, hey, I had something to do with that. And uh, again, there was never no big kumbaya moment. David never said, I'm sorry, I hurt you, I'm sorry. Only time David ever said anything that, that was close to that is that weekend he was here, he just simply said, I'm very sorry things turned out the way they did between us. 
So he was proud. I think he very well was because David had a lot of young ministers to work with him over the years. A lot of guys come through. Most of them didn't last. Most of them fell off the wagon at some point, fell off the, the straight and narrow, fell off the, the calling, was in it for the girls, was in it for whatever. Because, you know, when you're a tent preacher, you're almost like a carny. It's just a religious side of it. You know, everybody's showing up to, and there was young guys, uh, you know, yeah, the, the religious carnies out there. But there was, there, was, uh, there was guys that didn't make it. And, and I think David saw something. Because, again, you go back to my life, and by God's grace, the resiliency, the commitment, and the faithfulness that, that we were seem to be able to keep at the forefront of our lives in ministry, I think has got us to where we are today, that here we are, Ron and I, 43 years together, 45 plus years of ministry now that I've been doing. And there's a lot of times where I could have stopped, quit, give up, go back, but somehow or another, God's grace, we navigated through it. And I think David looked at that day that day and think, wow, Phil's gonna make it. Despite everything I did sometimes to stop him, he gonna make it. <laughs> One of the things over the years I've, I've tried to encourage people when things happen that you can't control, you, you, you can't change it, you didn't even cause it. At some point, you've got to learn how to commit that stuff to God to keep it from holding you prisoner with unforgiveness that totally wrecks your life. Through this time or even when, you know, when Sunshine was born, did you ever get angry at God, blame God? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, you know... Um, I, I've talked about it over the years in some of the messages. I, you know, I'd rather be angry with God as angry without God. And that's one of the things I learned in the scriptures as, as I just grew myself as a believer. What I discovered in my own life and try to tell other people, God can handle your frustration. He can handle your anger. He can handle your disappointment. It's when you shut that down and you refuse to acknowledge it. God, this is, because yeah, you went with all of those questions and trying to figure out. And, and again, I kind of navigated to the point, and I, and I will teach people this today. It's okay to ask God questions, but you got to come to a point in your spiritual life that you don't question God's sovereignty. It's okay to say, God, why? But at some point, I've got to surrender. God, you know more. Because I look back now, instead of saying, why me? Why us? But why not us? I have five other brothers and sisters. I, I, there's not a one of those. I would. What well, I wish you would have had to raise a daughter with special needs. There's not one of them. I think, well, why not me? Why not us as a couple? God helped us to navigate ourselves through that, through that period. Was there any time where you got down about her condition or something that happened that really tested your faith? Maybe a situation where you cried out to God, you got to help me in this situation, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's amazing, again, how there's been, I look back and I call them pivotal moments in, in our life that God used what could have been and what tried to be from the doctor's standpoint a very curse and a very difficult moment for us that God turned around and used it for a blessing. There, there's a couple times, particularly 
uh, where God is used. And I, I just kind of tell you the, the recent one, you know, prior, I, again, I said we've been pastoring here now where we at in for 17 years. Prior to coming here, we'd, we'd taken a little small church in the, in the south and uh, kind of a restart church, old congregation, wanting to reach a city, da-da-da. So we took it on, and within 12 months or so, we're running 150 people, started with 20 people. So we're seeing growth, seeing young families. Well, there got to be a power struggle. Uh, the leadership, some of the key people there didn't like all these new people, didn't like the kids messing up the walls and the carpet. So we got, and long story short, 18 months into that, they vote on me and I get, I get voted out. I get fired, basically. And I'd never been fired from anything. I'd been working some type of job since I was eight years old. And here I get fired. I'm devastated. We move out. We move back to a, uh, North Alabama and, uh, you know, have a place there. And I'm traveling, preaching on the weekends, got my resumes out. But I'm really lost. I'm, I'm getting myself in a pit. Again, there's places to go, but I'm, try, I'm questioning my calling. I'm questioning my leadership. So I'm setting out uh, one morning early, 6 o'clock on the little deck we had there at the house. Sunshine rarely gets up early. She she sleeps late. So I'm out there and Sunshine comes out there, six o'clock, sun's just popping up. She said, uh, I, I drink coffee with you, Daddy, because she's still calling me Dad at that point. I'm not Dr. Phil. And matter of fact, interest, she's the only one who really calls me Dr. Phil because she was there when I got my doctorate. And it's just like this veil went over her face. <laughs> and she, she quit calling me Daddy. She go, but she said, I drink coffee with you, Daddy. I, I said, sure. I said, I went and got her coffee. So I'm sitting there calling myself, praying, and trying to reach out to God. And and I'm, I'm crying. I'm having a pity party. Nobody's there but me, myself, and I. And it's a sad state. And Sunshine looks over at me. And she said, Daddy, God loves you. And I just kind of patted her on the leg. We sat on a little bench. And I kind of patted her. Yeah, I know, Daddy loves you. She said, it's just almost like the spirit spirit of God came up. She said, no. She grabs my chin and she turns it towards her and she's looking eye to eye. And I've never seen this out of sunshine. She said, no, daddy, God loves you. Not pastor feel, not evangelist feel, not preacher feel. God loves feel. And Aaron, for the first time, and I've been preaching for years, that I've come back to that point of why God loves me. It's not what I do. It's not my performance for Him. Do I honor Him by using my gifts? Yeah, but God's love is not based upon that. And it took a Down syndrome daughter that's supposed to have special needs to let me realize that. And you see her every day. She loves people not because of what they do for her or not do for her. She loves people just because that flows out of her. And every day I'm just reminded that's God's love for us. You know, I think every day your situation or somebody listening to this may be totally different. You may not be having to look at a, at a special needs daughter Everybody has things though we look at in our life every day and you got you got a choice. Do I look at it and see the good and the positive and how this is this is adding value to my life or do I just see the negative? 
I mean, there was, there was, you know, Sunshine had an open heart surgery when she's three and a half. Um, there was, there was struggles with her when she started walking. There was different, you know, she had all kind of ear infection. There was all kind of, of things that went on in her life. So it hasn't been easy. But again, I look at it 40 years later and I still see her adding value again, not just to us, but to people she comes in contact with. And I think that's a challenge to to even people listening to this is the fact of understanding that you have value to add to somebody else's life. I don't care what your education is, I don't care what your background is, I don't care what your age is. You have value to add. And if you can realize that, and you can live your life with that with that thought when you get up in the morning, hey, I'm I'm here, I'm alive, I've got a heartbeat, I've got a pulse for the purpose of going out here and adding value. Maybe it's to my family, maybe it's to my friends, my coworkers, whoever. Sunshine adds value every day, not only to us, but people that she kind of rubs shoulders with. Now, the unique thing was is we already had her name picked out. We already had the name Sunshine. A few weeks before she were born, we had the name Andrea. And we said, well, let's, you know, we want to put a surname. We want to put something. And in discussion, we said, you know what? She's going to be our Sunshine. Had no idea what that meant at that time. Once again, that was Pastor Phil, who we would like to thank for sharing his story. We would also like to thank you for listening. You can check out Phil's book, The Most Powerful Voice in Your Life, on Amazon or philwillingham.com. Please subscribe to the program to hear more. I'm Aaron Freinberger, and this is State Road 49. by Aaron Freinberger, Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc, the number three, d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Thomas Kilabas. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.